You are Locked On NBA Draft, your daily podcast on the NBA Draft, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up? Welcome back to Locked On NBA Draft. My name is Richard Stamen. Got a really fun episode for you today. Going to do a quick scouting report on the first of four G League Ignite members. It's going to start with Isaiah Todd, and then I'm also going to preview what next week has to hold. A week from today, next Tuesday, is the beginning of both the NBA Combine. I think it's a four-day event, three-day event, something like that. And then it's also lottery day, two very big days in the NBA. Going to get to why I think those days are just so important for the NBA draft, and it'll really start to shape what the next month plus looks like. But first, today's episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra at only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Stay tuned for the Ultra Player of the Week coming up later in this episode. So let's get right into it with Isaiah Todd. He was one of the former top recruits in high school for his lower classman years. He was, you know, seen as one of the top prospects. He kind of fell off going into his senior year, went from, you know, top five to around 20, 25, which isn't bad. It's just when you go from high to low like that, high to, you know, middle, it's just not a great look. Uh, ending your college career, especially when you're bigger than everyone else. But I really do think he kind of revived his stock. He went from overlooked on the G League Ignite to really making a name for himself as a high upside forward. You know, there's a couple of these guys in the draft. You look at him and JT Thor as two guys who jump out right away as these high ceiling guys who can kind of create for themselves, can have the length. They're both about 6'10", and they can almost do a little bit of everything that high offensive ceiling forward is a pretty coveted role right now. You see guys like John Collins doing really well in that role. So I think teams are looking for that. And and when you get someone like John Call or excuse me, like like uh, Isaiah Todd, you get some high upside and these guys do get drafted, I think, a little bit higher than they are perceived to. So for Isaiah Todd, the wingspan and standing reach and the hand size haven't come out yet. But what we do know is that Isaiah Todd measured at 6'10", 205. He played for the G League Ignite. And before I get into the rest of the scouting report, I do want to clarify the G League is pretty much incomparable to Europe League, European leagues and the NCAA. It's a very much a, a different environment. You know, you don't see really any concept of team defense that doesn't exist. So defensive problems or strengths, I think, can be overemphasized. And then also it's a high tempo league where guys create quick. It's a seven seconds or less is the emphasis. Sometimes you do see slowing down, but overall the tempo and pace are ridiculously fast and it's by design. It's kind of meant to get guys up to the NBA speed. So, and that's a lot of issues, you know, some rookie or a lot of rookies face that issue. I remember Victor Oladipo in his first year talking about how it was just so hard for him to adapt from, he went from a 35 second shot clock to 24 but they're still going from 30 to 24 from the NCAA. So it really helps build that pace of play and get guys ready for it. So there's just a less of a learning curve. So again, it's by design. It's not a negative thing. It's just when you're talking about draft prospects, it makes it a little bit difficult. So I do think some of, some of the, you know, stats can be a little bit inflated Um, for the year though. Isaiah Todd averaged, 12.3 points per game, five rebounds per game, a hair under an assist per game, half a steal per game, 
a little bit over half a block per game and a turnover and a half per game. And that was on 44% shooting from the field, 36% from three and 82% from the line. And I'm going to pull up some G league ignite stats on Isaiah Todd from synergy. I, I actually got someone sent this to me. So his best and most uh, his best play was really in transition. He was outstanding in that area. I'll get to why I think that was such a good area for him. 31 possessions. He was in the 90, 90th percentile in the G League. Spot-up shooting was his number one most run play. Mostly catch and shoot. He was pretty mediocre in that 48th percentile. Not bad, not good. Uh, don't forget, though, a lot of this is a just a make-miss, not necessarily skill-based. And then post up was his second most run play, and that was 52% or 52nd percentile, excuse me. Had some other areas, pick and roll man wasn't too strong, and he was pretty poor as a cutter. Isolation, he had a few possessions, and I think, and while he was only in the 36th percentile, those are the possessions that really stand out when you look at how he can develop an upside and being that self-creating forward that I hinted at earlier. Uh, I don't really take the defensive stats on synergy with much um you know i i just don't really hold them to have much weight personally i I think just making and missing is not a proper way to judge defense because a lot of times you know guys can throw up hail mary shots and make it and suddenly it's the defense's fault so um getting back into the scouting report a little bit more into what i see his tools i have three main tools that are the selling points on him shooting frame and athleticism the pros for him is that he has a really clean shot he has the ability to rise and shoot over defenders, really high base, high jump ability on that jump shot, really puts the jump in jump shot. He can shoot from any angle. He can hit threes off screens, off the dribble, pull up jump shots, and he can also catch and shoot with ease pretty much from anywhere. It's kind of rare to see a big man sit in the corner and catch and shoot, but Isaiah Todd does it. And then he also, one last element of his jump shot, and I think this really adds into his two-level jump shooting ability You know, from NBA 3 and then also mid-range, is that he has a really strong post-fadeaway jumper. He can just turn around real quick, square up mid-air. It's a really impressive move that you really don't see from a teenager, really just that age at 6'10", being able to quickly fire. So I think something like that is going to really be a selling point for him. Again, he's also great in transition. It goes in hand in hand with his athleticism, with his size. That combination's pretty tough to beat. He has really good lateral quickness on the defensive end. And he also has potential as a self-creator, which again, kind of emphasizing what I said about the isolation scoring. That's a flash for me. I think he can really show he showed like I think there were 14 plays is what the number was of isolation where he sized up his man and would either drive on them. He would, it was usually a driver, a pull up mid range jump shot. It wasn't much in between. So those were the, uh, those were the plays that really stood out for me in the isolation area. And I think that shows self-creation ability on the other end. He does have some flaws and I, I will say, I think defense is the hardest area to judge for him again, because of the nature of the G league. And then frankly, I just don't know what his, if some of his defensive errors were simply that errors or if there are flags for the future. So he can get crossed up kind of easily. I don't really trust his team defense instincts. He probably should have had over a block per game, being 6'10 in the G League in that athletic. That was kind of worrisome to me. And then on the offensive end, he needs to be a better finisher. He can play a little bit below the rim too much and just overall lacks explosiveness out of the post, where, again, post-up was his most common, commonly run play. 
So if he can't be explosive out of there with his athleticism, it really reduces a lot of what he does. And that is the difference between being a two-level scorer, which I'm pretty confident in, in him being in the NBA, and a three-level scorer, which puts you really over the top. And then also he needs to improve his turnovers and overall decision-making, mostly out of the post. I know when he got doubled in the post, it was just he didn't know what to do. He panicked. You could very visibly see that it was a struggle for him. So those are the pros and cons for Isaiah Todd. Overall, I think he's a pretty high upside play just because of the combination of size, athleticism, potential to create for himself in shot-making ability. I think that finding someone like that is pretty rare, but also, on the other hand, having someone who hits in that mold is pretty rare too, especially when they're raw. So hopefully for him, being around that pro development will help him a lot. I think the biggest swing skill for him is defense. If he can develop that defensive ability, it makes up for a lot of his other holes in his game. So that's going to be far and away his biggest swing area. Um, you know, I do the expected role on this. Um, I probably should have prefaced this before getting into this, but I do what I see as a pretty median outcome, like just in my head where I see him at, and then worst case scenario, best case scenario. And the expected role, the kind of how I see him, I see him as a rotation player with self-creation ability and a versatile shooting portfolio, being able to hit shots on the move, around screens, catch and shoot, off the dribble, pretty much any way you can shoot, he can do it. Early in his career, he'll probably be a backup, but if the combination of that offensive skill sets come together, he could pretty safe, safely be a starter in this league. He, the worst case scenario for him is that all three of his hit or miss areas really turn into misses. That's defense, playmaking, and finishing. Uh, I don't think he can go, afford to go 0 for 3. He probably needs one or two of those at the worst to really stay in. And I, I would say if he can hit defense, that probably is the most important. And then finishing the playmaking, it comes. And I mean, if, if it happens... It works, but I also don't see him posting up a ton in the NBA like he did in the G League. So not too entirely concerned with that one. His best case scenario, and he exceeds expectations, if his shooting translates with a versatile shooting portfolio, his self-creation is you know better and it develops fully, and he learns to finish above the rim in traffic. Those are pretty much the big areas on offense. And then defense, if it comes along too, that's just icing on the cake at that point. Uh, you could really reorder it and then say, hey, if the shoot, the finishing comes along while his defense and self-creation are there, that's the icing on the cake. But So there's a lot of upside with Isaiah Todd. Some of the fits, uh, or excuse me, some of the, the players who I see him similar to are like John Collins, Marcus Morris, a little bit of Lowry Market in there, especially if you can consistently shoot, and Josh Smith with the athleticism and some shooting ability. His best fits are probably, I say, Brooklyn at the end of the first. They can afford a high swing, especially at the on the front court. Oklahoma City, just because, again, high, high upside player. They need to keep swinging. Same with New Orleans. They both have a ton of assets. The Orlando Magic at 33, also a team that needs to find a diamond in the rough. And then Boston Celtics. They lack front court players. He may not necessarily fit the bill of the front court player they need, but he, they do need front court players. So, And I think if you can get someone – really productive out of that front court role, it's still a win. I do see his draft range is pretty wide. I think he'll get the benefit of the doubt and get closer to the to the lower, which is better in this case for him, which is 25 being the low end and 50 being the high end uh, range for him. He could really slip in the draft depending on what happens in the combine. Or he could also just completely tear it up and people give him the benefit of the doubt because he is in – the G League in a professional environment, giving him a way heads, you know, heads up advantage over some of these NCAA players. 
So that is the scouting report for Isaiah Todd of the G League Ignite. I brought up JT Thor earlier as one of those high upside guys at forward alongside of Isaiah Todd. And I'm kind of going to come back to that. Mikko Abolstra believes enjoyment isn't the end game. It's the whole game. And that's why we partnered with Mikko Abolstra for Player of the Week. And this week, it's JT Thor. Um, choosing JT Thor because I think he's one of the fastest risers in the class. You know, he didn't really have a great statistical season, only average nine and five on 44% and 30% from three with 74% from the line. But the more you watch him, you know, his jump shot looks really translatable. And I think he's a guy who he could be this year's riser. He's pretty young freshman. We thought Sharif Cooper would be the Auburn guy, but it's starting to look more and more like it's JT Thor. So, um, you know, the stats weren't great, but overall pretty good season and high upside. Uh, for Michelob Ultra stats, they have 2.6 carbs and 95 calories in every bottle. The joy creates success. And out again, the Michelob Ultra player of the week, JT Thor. Today on the road to the finals, our NBA playoffs coverage is brought to you by Michelob Ultra. It's only worth it if you enjoy it in 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. We can all enjoy the games a little bit more this season. I have a prediction for tonight's game. This is Tuesday, June 15th. Um, only one game tonight, and it's Brooklyn hosts Milwaukee for game five. You know, in the first two games, Brooklyn killed Milwaukee at home and it really just seemed like the series was out of Milwaukee's control but of course they tied it back up with no Kyrie and no Harden I'm going with Brook or uh, excuse me I'm going with Milwaukee and this one I really do think Kevin Durant steps it up I don't think PJ Tucker locks him up for a third straight game relative of course to Kevin Durant's expectations but I think it'll be a really close one and I think Milwaukee pulls it out so I just did the Isaiah Todd scouting report. Um, in this segment, I want to change it up a little bit. You know, I've been doing the scouting reports and everything. But um, with the combine, it's a little bit, I think there's a lot that needs to be talked about on it and setting expectations. The combine, I, I gave a wrong date at the beginning. So forgive me on that. It actually starts Monday, June 21st and ends June 27th. It's a very long combine. But something that's not talked about in this, there's a lot of processes that go into the combine first of all the nba g league elite camp is pretty much so the nba combine invites 60 players every year the g league elite camp is if if i'm not mistaken they get some reserve players so every year the top of the draft the combine the draft prospects they drop out it's pretty rare that the top guy goes zion i think participated he was one of the very few top picks that ever did it it's usually like the top five never actually participate um, I do think there's going to be some exceptions this year. You might see Jonathan Kaminga, a guy with a lot to prove, go and measure. I don't think you see Mobley do it. I don't think you see Jalen Suggs do it. Even though they don't really have anything to lose, they don't really want to expose themselves uh, in that setting. I don't think so. The G League Elite Camp has some reserve players that, that can be transferred over there, and they you know won't necessarily be in that camp, but it's a worst-case scenario, you know, they're still there. It's not a bad thing at all, actually. So um, not a worst case. It's a bad wording, of course, but pretty much with the G League Elite, it's not televised. They do the same stuff as the Combine just for secondary guys. That's a three-day event. That's June 19th to the 21st. I think you'll see a lot of, uh, you know, what's the word for? I guess not necessarily fallback, but just 
reception from it and some tweets that may be coming up. You have to kind of read between the lines from some of these reporters who, if you know, if guys are going back from there right away, it's a red flag that they did poorly. Or if guys jump up and you start seeing them in mock drafts, that might be a sign that these people are rising in the draft community. So as for the actual combine itself, there's a couple of things that I wanted to talk about on this that, again, I just don't really think get discussed enough when we talk about mock drafts and the overall draft process. So first, the NBA draft combine is a big networking event and a lot of intel gets passed around there. If you've followed me on Twitter, you've seen my tweets saying don't trust a mock draft. Even if it says they have intel, don't trust a mock draft to be accurate for the draft time now it's purely about clicks. And that's coming from someone who does mock drafts. I, I'm just guessing at this point. Nobody has intel. There's no intel being passed around. The, the draft process really starts at the combine. So that's something really important to know. The other thing that goes with it is that July 7th is the deadline for players to withdraw. Once you're there, July 7th is the date where... Um, or excuse me, it's July 19th. Excuse me. So it's, a, it's about a month later you have you have to withdraw and you get all the feedback you do the workouts and everything like that um so if by july 7th what i'm looking at it is is you can maintain college eligibility um it's a little bit tricky but july 19th is the date sorry about that so basically for the next month after you're going to see a lot of workout posts from teams and things like that really july 20th is the day where that stuff actually starts to matter um so i i do think the some players with a lot, we haven't seen the official combine list somehow, even though it's just a week out. The G League Elite Camp uh, rosters came out Monday afternoon, and there were some surprising names. I didn't really expect to see guys like Kofi Coburn. I had already seen that Mac McClung was going to accept, but there were some guys that I was very shocked not to see on there. I, I think there's just some diamonds in the rough. I'm not going to call anybody out who I don't think deserved it, but there are definitely a few names where I, I was confused and I said, how did this guy make it? And maybe I'm just, maybe I saw the wrong games or something, but there are guys who I just didn't see as prospects that are in this field. So um, just kind of interesting to me. I think some of the secondary combines will like the pro basketball combine could be a pretty strong field because of this. So the NBA draft combine is a big deal. Don't really trust mocks until after it is completed, though. And, and you know, you'll see guys with measurements come out. This is when things start to really matter. This is the beginning. Next week is the beginning of the actual NBA draft process. And from there on out, I'm just going to be mostly sticking with scouting reports and any anything of that sort, just because I do think now we're getting into the, the bulk of the draft process. So I hope that helps clarify a little bit as to why I think the draft combine means so much. Going to talk real quick about Bet Online and Rock Auto. And then in the last portion of this show, going to talk about what I see as some big implications from the lottery on Tuesday night as well. If you're looking for the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action, look no further. BetOnline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all sport action. Baseball is in full swing, and you can track all the action on Bet Online. You can also get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB. NBA, NHL, and UFC MMA. So before the next pitch, head over to Bet Online on your laptop or your phone and check out all the great sporting news sign-up bonuses and contest info. So don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get in the game as teams are making their runs in the playoffs right now. Head to the website or use your phone to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag your online sports book experts and use promo code locked on. And that's one word 
L-O-K-E-D-O-N. RockAuto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is really easy to navigate. You can quickly see all the parts available for your car and vehicle and choose the brand specifications and prices you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always reliably low and the same for professionals and do-it-yourselfers. So why spend up to twice as much for the same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write locked on, and this time it's two words, L-O-C-K-E-D space O-N, and they're how did you hear about us so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. So for the last segment, I'm just going to spend a few minutes just talking about who I think has the most and honestly least uh, to lose in this upcoming draft lottery a week from today, Tuesday, June 22nd. So I think really it starts with two teams. The two teams that have the most to gain are probably Oklahoma City and the Chicago Bulls. And actually three because Minnesota. So the thing that gets interesting, they all have a commonality there, which is they all could potentially have draft swaps or just lose their pick. Minnesota's pick is top three protected. If they get the fourth pick, it goes to Golden State, who already has the 14th pick. Uh, It could be really funny for unless you're a Minnesota fan. If Golden State jumps from 14 and then also gets the, like to number three, any of the top three, and then Minnesota's pick lands at number four, that would be quite a scenario for Golden State. It would also be unprecedented having the 14 seed jump into that top four. But regardless, still an interesting scenario. So Minnesota's one, Chicago's another. You know, their pick is top four protected going to Orlando. So I guess you could also, on the other end, say Orlando has the most to gain as well. But just because, you know, if their pick goes stays where it is really at eight, they they have a lot. Actually, they have a lot to lose now that I talked it out. But Chicago could get into that top four and keep their pick, which would be big, get, getting honestly getting a chance to pair a point guard. You know, you look at potentially Jalen Suggs. I don't really know if they want to take someone like Scotty Barnes and consider him a point guard. Like, There's a lot of kind of point guards, but they already have that with Kobe White and Zach Levine. So I don't know. They might benefit. You could also just look at it. Hey, they need talent. They miss the playoffs. But they might almost be, you know, if they get that top four pick, they might want to trade it out. So they've got a really interesting scenario. And then Oklahoma City, I think, you know, again, they have a pick swap with Houston potentially, um, which can get, I guess that will kind of get me into the Houston and who has the least or who has the most to lose Houston far and away is the winner of who has the most to lose. I personally can't understand the trade protect, like the protections on this This is the first one ever that has stumped me from tankathon. It says, OKC gets the best two best of Oklahoma city, Houston and Miami. Houston gets the worst and can swap with Brooklyn, but there's some protections on it. It's top four protected as well. And I don't think it can be worse than Oklahoma cities, but Again, it's very tricky because there's just so many stipulations on it. The good news for Houston is, is, and it's not quite the best consolation prize, but if they miss out on getting a top pick, they do have the 23rd and 24th pick and the 31st pick. So that can all be packaged um, decently easily to move up into the teens. That's that's something they have going for them at least. Um, 
but or excuse me, they they give out their pick to Milwaukee. That's Milwaukee's only pick is that 31st pick. But still, 23 and 24, you can still move up. So they have a lot to lose. They really can't afford to slip out of that top four. I mean, they have to be in the lottery and hope Oklahoma City doesn't jump them. Then Orlando kind of goes back on the opposite end of the Chicago pick. I mean, if they get jumped by Chicago, that is just a brutal scenario. They unloaded the the team just for June 22nd and really July 29th for draft night. So you really hope that those teams don't, For if you're a fan of those teams, you hope that Chicago is not jumping and Orlando is falling. And I think that's pretty much who has the most to lose. Some really interesting things to watch. I Generally with this, now we've seen both years it's been in place. It doesn't, it's very hard for this to go chalk. So the current top four is Houston, Detroit, Orlando, and Oklahoma City. I'd be very surprised if that in some order ends up being the four teams that do end up in the top four, like that it just goes, stays put in some order. I'd fully expect someone around nine to 12 to jump. I don't know who I, I could see it being Charlotte. Charlotte got some luck last year. Who knows if they could get it again. And for reference, even this year, the numbers have really jumped to get everyone involved. You know, the 14th team, Golden State has 2.4% chance of getting into the top four, which is a little bit more than Charlotte has of getting the number one pick. And you look at the difference, really the top 10 is probably where the stuff is going to happen. You have every, the eight, nine, and 10 all split the odds at 20.3%. We've seen this before in 2019, the Grizzlies, Mavs, and Pelicans all shared the same odds. The Mavs were the only team that did not jump up of the three. The other two did. Could be looking at a similar scenario, and that's Chicago, Sacramento, New Orleans. So lottery night has a lot of implications for a lot of teams. It could impact some new listeners potentially. If if uh, Oklahoma City gets more than one pick, that could really you know pique their interest. It could really take out some Houston listeners if they miss out on the top. But there's a lot to look look at. The draft is going to the excuse me the draft lottery is going to be very fun. It's one of my favorite events of the year. It's a very painless process if you're not. Um, a team that a fan of a team that has a pick it's really fun to watch from the outside but if you're a fan of the team in the lottery I mean it's it's one of the most excruciating 20 minutes of your life and it also FYI it also starts a little bit late so don't tune in right away uh, just a word of advice but yeah so this this ends this episode I um, hope the Isaiah Todd you know draft lottery preview and what everyone can gain at the combine uh, and who, what to look for and everything there really helped. Next week, going to continue back with some scouting reports. Going to keep producing those as the draft approaches. And can't wait for the next episode. And hopefully draft lottery night is good to us. And don't forget to check out Locked On Today if you are interested in just trying to get any of all that sports news that you, you, know, you didn't get time to catch up on this weekend, anything like that. Thank you and have a wonderful rest of your day.